And let's turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 5. Mark, chapter number 5. The man with the unclean spirit. That's what we're looking at this morning. Mark, chapter number 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 20. We're going to have a word of prayer. This account is found in three of the four Gospels, found in Matthew, chapter 8, and Luke, chapter 8. I think the most complete account of it is here in Mark chapter 5. But let's pick it up in verse 1 and um, we'll read down to verse number 20. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been oft bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And they were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and, began, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all the men did marvel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask and pray your blessing now upon our Bible study this morning. Speak to our hearts in a very real and powerful and personal way. Help us to learn from these Scriptures and make application in our own lives. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask all of these things. Amen. So last week, if you were not with us, last week we looked at 
Jesus crossing over the sea to get to this particular place. And um, it is the account in which he's, the, the disciples became afraid and fear. They said, Carest thou not that we perish? And the Sea of Galilee had become turbulent. And uh, they thought that the ship was going to, the, going to go down. And Jesus stands in the bow of the ship. And he basically says, O ye of little faith, peace be still. And immediately the Sea of Galilee became calm. And now they've reached the other side. And just as they reach the other side, this is uh, what awaits them. This is what greets them. This man who lived amongst the tombs. And um, on your handout, if you just look at the couple of sentences at the top, so crossing the sea, Jesus and his disciples entered into the forbidden land of Gadara where a mixed multitude dwelt, many of whom were engaged in what was considered by the stricter Jews an illegal business, that of raising swine for the table of the Gentiles. By the way, the, the ruins of this city is still there. And now I don't know if um, this is still the case, but I was reading a commentary that was written about, oh, 60 or 70 years ago. And at that time, there were still people that lived amongst the tombs in the ruins of this city. I'm not necessarily saying they were, uh, and nor did the commentators say that they were uh, people of an unclean spirit, but they were people that lived amongst the tombs there. But this man, he is, um, it, well, he is de demonically possessed. And um, we're going to see something here in this great miracle, which I really think... Um, well, I think everything in Scripture we can make application, but I hope that you see this this year. So if you notice on your handout as we read this, and of course you've got the scene here, this man who lives there, he is so possessed that they, they can't even tame this man. They put chains on him and try to control him, and yet he just he's, he, it, it's as if he has superhuman strength, and he can break out of these chains and break out of these fetters. And... Um, just there he is, really the dead, if you will, living amongst the dead. And um, we're reminded of this, that Satan, we're reminded of the power of Satan. And I think sometimes in life we forget of the power of Satan. Uh, and notice on your handout here, the first sub-point in this is, listen, don't ever forget that the devil has dominion in the world in which we live. That's not some Bible truth from 2,000 years ago. It's a fact today that Satan has dominion in this world in which we live. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, if you notice on your hand up, Paul said this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom, and notice on the handout, the God, small g, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The God of this world, that's Satan. He has dominion. He has dominion in the world in which we live. And by the world... We mean the wicked world. The world we live in is a wicked place. And we're to be mindful of that. 
people obey the will of Satan and they don't even realize they're doing the work of Satan. That's the world we live in today. People execute the plans of Satan and have no idea they're executing the plans of Satan. But the, but the devil has dominion in the world we live in. And his desire is to further his purposes. His desire is to destroy lives. And the world itself really goes on really not really understanding what this is all about. Notice on your handout, uh, I have the phrase, the prince of this world. Three times in the Gospel of John, Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. We're not going to turn to these. I have them on, the, on your handout for you. You can look them up at a later date. But three times, Jesus refers to Satan as the prince of this world. So we recognize, Jesus recognizes the dominion of Satan in the world in which we live. And we should be aware of that, on guard with regards to that. This man that we're reading about here, he is possessed. He's demonically possessed. That's really interesting, but in the Old Testament, you do not see a lot of uh, the scriptures recording demonic possession. And then in Paul's epistles, you see a little bit, but not like you see in the Gospels. It seems as if there was tremendous demonic activity during the life of Jesus Christ. That demonic activity was at its, uh, with regards to demonic possession, or, or else it was Jesus, because Jesus was here, he was calling attention to it. So I, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying it didn't exist prior to that. I think all we have to do is look at the world. We know, I mean, right from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, we see the influence of Satan on mankind. But during the days of Jesus, when Jesus was here, I think it's because of his ministry, he brings light to that. But the prince of this world. On our handouts, Ephesians chapter 2, wherein in time past, Paul writes to the church, to the believers in, in Ephesus, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. In Ephesians chapter 6, I'm not going to have you turn there either, but that's where Paul says, finally, my brother, and be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And he talks about that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against... Anybody know? There's four things there that Paul mentions that we wrestle against. One of them is principalities. This is, this is, these things that we're about to talk about, this is demonic activity. So one is principalities. Somebody else? The rulers of the darkness of this world. Somebody else said powers. Powers. And then there's one other one. I couldn't hear the authorities. Was the authorities? Well, these are demonic authorities, if you will, in the, in the scope of things. There's one other. So there's principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the, that's the other of the four that are there. 
spiritual, the, the rulers of the darkness of this world. That exists today. That we're living in, we're, it's, it's around us. Listen, I, I believe this with all my heart. When, when, a, when a New Testament church gathers together, whether it's this church or whether it's a church like, where the gospel is being preached, where people are growing in the faith, where people are coming to know Christ. There is a spiritual warfare. There's a battle that's taking place, I believe, right now. Right now it's taking place. And um, the battle, by the way, is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. We'll talk about more about that in a, in a few minutes. There's a battle taking place. I've, I've said, I haven't said it in a long time, but I've often said anything, anything that Jesus or anything that the Bible builds up Satan wants to tear down. And anything that the Scriptures want to deconstruct or tear down, Satan wants to build them up. It's the world we live in. Now here, this man is the ultimate example of someone being completely and totally controlled from a satanic point of view. But there is a, the devil has dominion in this world. Here's an Old Testament example on your handout. Job 1.7. The Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Most of you know there in 1 Peter, Peter said, uh, most of you know, I just, it was just not in my time. Hold on. Get, oh, Satan as a what? Yeah. So the majority of you, maybe all of you remember that verse. Don't forget it. It's not something that happened 2,000 years ago. Satan, as a roaring lion, what does he do? Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Peter's writing that to Christians. Now, we believe in eternal security, amen? But that doesn't mean that we can't be attacked by Satan. Our testimony's ruined. Churches that are attacked. Satan has dominion. He's working hard to destroy whatever God has built up. Just another example. On your handout, I think it's on the back of your handout, Luke chapter 4, it is a recording of when Jesus, he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the temptation. You remember Satan said to Jesus, well, Jesus, you can turn these stones into bread. And what did Jesus say? Well, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It was, he's reminding us, our weapons, the weapons of our warfare are the word of God. Jesus was teaching us that. But then, but then, with regards to Satan's dominion, it said, and the devil taking him, meaning Jesus, into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. So I don't know how this worked, but... He shows Jesus all the kingdoms, all the authority in the world. And the devil said unto him, Jesus, all this power will I give thee. Now, the only way, only way Satan could make that offer is if he had the authority to give to, to make that offer. Now, the, who gave him the authority over? Who allowed that? God did. And so then you, well, why did God do that? And, and that's probably a whole nother lesson for a whole nother time. But it is part of the plan of God that this is taking place. 
you know, why? Well, we talked a little bit last week about Job. Why did God allow Job to, or Satan to afflict Job? Why does God allow? Well, this is what's taking place. So he says to Jesus, and the devil said, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. So again, the only way that that could be a legitimate offer is that if it was legitimately true. Now one day Satan will be kicked out. Amen? But right now, don't ever forget, he's got dominion. Luke, it's actually Luke twenty-two thirty-one, not Luke twenty-one thirty-one. But uh, the Lord said unto said to Simon, no, let me start again. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, this. By the way, Jesus is saying this at the Last Supper. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. You know what sifting is, right? What's sifting? Anybody know? To sift. Huh? Well, what does it mean? Sift. To, to sift. To separate. Yeah, separate it. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to separate it. And by the way, I didn't know this until I was studying this little verse out here, uh, but the, 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 word, the two words you are plural pronouns. So he wasn't really saying this to say, to. Um, to Peter, he was saying this to all the apostles. And they all fled. It wasn't just Peter that fled. They all fled. But he's, Satan is still doing that today, trying to sift people from the gospel. Or those who have already received the gospel, trying to sift them away from the teaching and preaching of God's word. So we've, most of us in this room, we have been Christians for a number of years and we have seen people who, who Satan has successfully sifted away from the fellowship of other believers in the form of the assembling of the saints together. Church. That's a fulfillment. That's the, that's the warning that Jesus gave to not only Peter, but all the apostles, and to you and to me. Be aware of that. And so this man here that Jesus confronts, these demons that Jesus confronts, he's like the epitome of this. And um, it reminds me of in the days, you know, it said in the days of uh, Noah, that, that just the, the world was filled with evil. I think in those days, there was demonic possession running rampant. And I know Ethan, a couple of weeks ago, taught on the sons of God and, 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 um, huh? and the daughters of men, and so I'm not going to go back there. And, uh, but I, I, I really think there was a lot of demonic possession then, and that was the world that Noah lived in. So that's the bad news. <laughs> now the good news, amen? And that's the power of the Savior. Beginning in verse 5. And so always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Now whether he was cutting in Baal worship, part of Baal worship, they cut themselves. And we know that there is, even today, there are people who cut themselves. Now this could have been what was taking place with this man 
Some think he was just cutting himself on all of the stones that were there. But the fact of the matter is, he was harming himself. Where Jesus says, do thyself no harm, Satan says, just do all the harm you possibly can. Think about people who live an ungodly life. I mean, and are involved in ungodly practices and ungodly things that they do. You know, the reality is, at some point, all that catches up with you. Your health. I'm talking about your health. It catches up with you. But this man, he's harming himself, and Jesus comes. This man is, is, a, is raging in verses 1 through 5, but in verses five through, or 6 through 17, the rage turns to reverence. He, he sees Jesus, and, and the Bible says, when he saw, verse 6, Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. Now, the Bible doesn't really say, but did the man know he was being tormented? He's drawn to the Lord. And it's always the Lord that draws us. Jesus came to seek and to save them which were lost. So, I don't know how all of the dynamics worked here, but this man, he's drawn to Jesus. He sees Jesus afar off, and he runs to him. And then as we read through the text here, the Bible says, verse 7, after this man is worshiping the Lord, and he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? Now, personally, I think what's happening here is this is not the man who's speaking. This is the demonic beings who are speaking that are in the man. What do we have to do with thee? And uh, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. Because, well, Satan has power and dominion over the world in which we live. Jesus has dominion over everything. And they know that. They know that. And um, he says to this demon, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Wow. That thou torment me not. And here's this man. I'm going to get back to that in just a minute. But Jesus says, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And then Jesus asks the demon, you know, what's your name? And the man says, the demon says, my name is Legion. And a Roman legion had anywhere from 6,000 to 12,000 troops in it. So the idea here is this man is not just possessed by one demon. This man is possessed by 6,000 to 12,000 demons. It's incredible. And... He besought him that he would not send him away out of the country. If you're going to, if you're going to call us out of this man, well, why would that be? What do you think? Why? If, you know, we've read through this. Why do you think that the demon would ask to stay in that particular country? Why do you think? I wondered about that. Why would the demon say, well, because Jesus is calling the demons out of this man, but the demon's request is don't send us, don't send us into the dark and into the abyss. Don't send us out of this particular country. What do you, what, what would you think? I, I, I'll tell you what I think, but may not be right. But in a minute, I'll tell you what I think. But why? 
Why would the demons want to stay in that particular country? Huh? Because there were so many people there that didn't care. They were lost and they were. I think that's, that's what I think. I think they... Listen, look around the world. There are certain, there are certain countries in the world where... I mean, it's evident in my mind that demonic activity is far greater than in other countries in the world. Evil places, wicked places. Yes, go ahead. I was just thinking that uh, the uh, coup in Miramar didn't really happen until after Bob DeWitt and his group got into the country. Yeah, and it's not just Bob DeWitt. There have been numerous, there was, a, there was a great outreach. He was just one of many preaching the gospel in Myanmar. And, and you're right, Jim, that's probably, that's demonic activity, trying to halt the work of the gospel. But I think we'll see more evidence of, of why they wanted to stay in just a minute. Um, but yeah, I think it's because that country was a place that they could almost have free reign. They were, they were being effective there. Um, but let's just focus in on the man uh, real quick. Well, not real quick, but let's just focus in on him. So the demons are cast out, and, and, the, and Jesus, actually, he grants the request of the demons, and the demons are then placed into the pigs, the swine, and, and they all, all the pigs run into the ocean. And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, or into the sea. But the man, the man, it says, pick it up in verse uh, 13. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. The herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and they were about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea. And the Bible says, and they, fed, they that fed the swine fled and told it into the city and into the country, and they went out to see what, what was done. And they come to Jesus, and now look at this, verse 50. They see him that was possessed with the devil and had had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So let's just focus for a minute on, on the man. I mean, he's gone from rage to reverence. I think I, I do have on your handout Luke's account, eight, chapter 8 and verse 35. They went out to see what was done, and they came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Well, this man has had a radical transformation, wouldn't you say? By the way, everybody knew about the man who lived in the tombs. Hey, you know, crazy so-and-so lives up at the tombs there. That man, it, everybody knew about him. I mean, if there's, a, if there's somebody that's like that, everybody knows about it. And now all of a sudden, well, it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus can do in our lives. And you and I, we may not be like this crazy man bound in chains, but on the other hand, many of us perhaps, we were bound by chains just not physical chains. 
and chains of addiction and chains of, I mean, you could fill it. You understand what I'm saying? But we were bound by the chains of sin and we needed to be freed from sin. And our minds change. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This man, his mind was tormented with these demons. But now, because he's come to Jesus, he has the mind of Christ. He wants to be like Christ. We see he wants to be with Christ. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If ever a man's mind was renewed, this man's mind's been renewed. It's been changed because Jesus delivered him. Because Jesus has dominion. John, 1 John 3, 8, He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Or Hebrews 2.14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, and that is the devil. And so while we've learned that Satan has dominion in this world, uh, Jesus has the ultimate dominion. And um, this man is dramatically changed. And now the demons go from dominion over the man to dread. And so back to the demons, they say this. So first they said, what, what are we to do with thee, verse 7, thou Son of the Most High? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. You know, in James chapter 2 and verse 19, the Bible says this, Thou believest there is one God that doest well. It's on your handout. The devils also believe and tremble. That word tremble is an interesting word. It's, it has the same idea as if you were so scared, the hairs on the back of your neck would stand up. So when Jesus confronts the demons, they are terrified of Jesus. They're not terrified of you, by the way. But they're terrified of Jesus. That's why the battle is not ours, it's of the Lord. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Because the demons are not afraid of you. But they're afraid of Jesus. That's why we have victory through Jesus. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Well, we're running out of time, so let me finish with this. And that's the power of salvation. Verse 18. And when he, this is the man, who was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil, he prayed with him that he could go with Jesus. He prayed him that he might be with him. Now look at what happens here. Jesus, he says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go thy way, uh, go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things that the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. He wanted to stay with Jesus. That's a, that's a perfectly legitimate request, wouldn't you think? But Jesus said, No, you're not going to stay with me. And um, 
He wasn't going to be one of the 12 apostles. He wasn't going to be part of the 70 that Jesus would send out. And I thought about that as I read that. Jesus doesn't, somebody gets saved, Jesus doesn't necessarily call everyone to be a preacher. He doesn't necessarily call everyone to be a missionary. Uh, but he does call everybody to be faithful. And he does have a plan and a purpose. And this man had a legitimate request. I want to be with you, Jesus. I, now, maybe the man was terrified that the demons might come back. And better to be with Jesus. But the reality is, once we've received Jesus, he's always with us. Amen? And, but Jesus says to him, listen, you go home. You go home and you just begin to publish what happened. Well, the people back home, remember the account? The people, once they heard that their living was destroyed, the pigs, and they were in the sea, the people came and they said, Jesus, please leave. You would think, wouldn't you? You would think that if they knew this man who was crazy, who was demonically possessed, who was now delivered from the demons, you would think the people would say, Jesus, stay and teach us more. They say, please leave. Please leave. You know there's people like that today? I really, good for, it's good for you, Frank. It's good for you, this Jesus, but, I, you know, I, just go your way. I, it's not for me. And so the man is going back to Decapolis, which is a word for the ten cities of that area, and he's going to have to, he's going to publish to people an account that took place in his life. These people have already rejected Jesus. Please, Jesus, go away. It's like my early days of pastoring here, somebody in the neighborhood came up to me and said, we don't want your kind here. Well, that was kind of like, really? <laughs> okay. They're gone, I'm still here. <laughs> we don't want your kind here. So the man does that. But here's the thing. The man has a desire now just to... Ethan and I had lunch with a man yesterday um, that has been watching online. He's attended church once. He wants to get involved. And he just now has... He, he, his testimony is he was an atheist. And now God has begun... This past year, doesn't know why, but all of a sudden he started to think about this. He began to read his Bible. He began to read the Gospels over again and over again and over again. And now, this past year, not too long ago, he received Christ as his Savior. And now he just wants to learn about the Bible. He's got a passion for Christ. This man has a passion for Christ. That's what salvation ought to do. If someone gets saved, they ought to have a passion to learn about the one that saved them, wouldn't you think? Amen? So this man has that passion. And the passion now is gone from, he's gone from being possessed by demons to professing his faith in Christ. And so he does that. But this isn't the end of the story. Take your Bibles, we're finished here. Just go over to Mark chapter 7. So Jesus does leave. He leaves Decapolis. They've asked him to leave, he leaves. The man doesn't leave. 
The man stays. The man publishes what's happened. Verse 31, chapter 7. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, this is Jesus they're talking about now, he comes unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. Jesus returns to the very place they told him, please leave. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And look at verse 33. And he took him aside from the, what's that word there? Took him aside from what? The multitude. The same people the two chapters earlier said, please Jesus, leave. Now there's a multitude that has come to hear Jesus. Why? You know what I believe? The man published what happened. Listen, I was crazy. I was demonically possessed. I was living amongst the tombs. And I met Jesus. And Jesus changed my life. And everybody knew him. They, they would have to say, well, something's happened to this man. Something's changed in his life. This was, this was the crazy tomb guy. He's a different person. He's clothed now. He's in his right mind. And I believe it was the power of the man's testimony. Listen, I believe this. If at one time you were, if you were vigilant against the truth, now that you're saved, you ought to be vigilant for the truth. I think this man told his story over again and over again and over again and over again. I was kind of greatly encouraged as I read this because I often think, now I always tell this story how I was a drunkard and I got saved. I probably tell that too much. But you know what? You can't tell it enough. Because that's what Jesus does. And that's you and me. We're no different. You can't tell your testimony enough. Because Jesus changed you. You, be, you were lost and now you're saved. You were bound for hell and now you're bound for heaven. This man wanted everyone to know and you and I, we should want everyone to know what Jesus has done for us. And I think it transformed that, that whole area. People came out in a great multitude. The same multitude that said, go away, is the same multitude now that is there sitting and wanting to know more about Jesus. That's how one life, one life, one person can, trans, uh, one person can transform we know it's Jesus that does the transforming. You understand what I'm saying? But one person's testimony can transform an entire community for Christ. That's the miracle here. The man's life was changed. And every one of you that's saved, sitting in this room, you're a walking miracle. You are a walking miracle. Let's pray. Father, bless now the morning worship service. Help us to think about this man and how his whole life was changed. Help us to think about our lives. And our lives were changed. And are different now. And help us, Lord, to be a people of testimony. Share our faith in the one who saved us. And not to be... Give us the boldness to do it. Give us, give us the ability to do it. And help us to realize that there's a real enemy that we're fighting against. And he wants us to keep our mouths shut. And we know, Lord, you want us to keep our mouths open. And let everybody know who Jesus is. His name we pray. 
Amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.